for that. <laughs> that was, I, I, yes, I, I had it. I had it. Uh, Dylan, Mr. Razzle Dazzle Cannon. And I'm Paul Lang, fantasy guy, horror guy, and drinker of hot coffee. Yours sounds more like an actual bio you try to sell yourself. Mine sounds like a <laughs> shitpost. I'm trying so damn hard to build a platform. Aren't we all? I promise I can make my intro stupider next time. Oh no, you, you don't have to do that. No, I'd really like to. I, I'm a little bit disappointed about like almost being the straight man for a couple seconds there <laughs> yeah that, we can't have that no straight men on our podcast nope nope none of that it is pride um, month <laughs> it is pride month everybody so um in this episode we're gonna fight <laughs> <laughs> right right okay so as you know if you've listened to the last one which five people have i assigned paul the movie blinded by the light he assigned me the lighthouse and we were trying to find an in-between. And so yep. I'm like, we should go see Lightyear because they have light in the title. But we didn't want to see Lightyear because, I mean, to, I, I think it looks like really boring. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i not super sold on it. And maybe I'll, I'll watch it when it's on Disney Plus. Might change my mind. Yeah, I probably will. But, but uh, we decided to go with 2019 as the commonality. And... Also, since 2019 is within the past five years, blanket spoiler warning for all three of the movies. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of spoilers, and we're going to fight, and this is the episode um, where we will finally reveal the villain of our podcast, that, and that it's me, because I am a supreme hater. You're the uh, villain protagonist. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'll put in the description on uh, whatever platform you're listening to, I will put the time mark of when we start talking about each movie so like you can skip one if you you don't want to see spoilers i i really recommend watching the lighthouse um going in blind oh definitely yeah uh, uh, please please do i mean in, although you can still enjoy it even if you don't um i actually had it spoiled uh before i saw it because i expected to hate it um i was not a huge fan of the of the Vavitch um oh, yeah. then when i saw the lighthouse i was like wait actually completely my jam yeah um end game i mean that's pop culture osmosis but if if you still have if you've lived under a rock i mean it it there's a lot of big plot stuff there yeah um, if you haven't had Endgame spoiled for you i recommend sitting down and watching it yourself so that you preferably in an empty room so you can start screaming about it blinded by the light i mean that's more of a slice of life so i, I don't know if it's fairly predictable i i don't i don't know if spoilers are really like a thing in that mm -hmm. type of movie but yeah like the trailer kind of tells you what you're getting yeah <laughs> it's 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 a feel-good movie but yeah you you might want to go in you know be surprised by things i don't know <laughs> yep you might want to go in and be blinded by the light 
Nice. That was good. I should have. That's both our movies, right? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Very different interpretations of what that means. The theme of this episode is approaching the light and what will occur when you do so. Yes. I think the actual song Blinded by the Light resembles the lighthouse more. Yeah. No, me too. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm, I, was I'm gonna... and I was like, I feel like that's more ominous. <laughs> I think it's just, it's Bruce Springsteen found a thesaurus and also wanted to write about the Jersey boardwalk. <laughs> um, a little bit of, little piece of trivia, uh, just uh, continuing our trail of random concert and Bruce Springsteen trivia. Um, I knew a girl in college who, whenever I came in the room, she would start singing Blinded by the Light because I was so white. You are you are very pale. And incredibly pallid, yeah. All right, so I'm going to flip the coin, uh, and I'm heads, your tails. Okay, yep, every time. You like to chase tail. I like to get head. I, I Sir, I'm married. <laughs> you don't chase tail. You, well, you, you should pursue your wife every day. I only pursue my wife's tail, like a good godly uh, husband in in God. Do we need to cut that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I ask her before. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> okay. Heads. All right. So We're talking we... about Blinded by the Light. Yes. So... Which means I get to sit back and mostly listen. Oh, no, wait, I have to summarize the movie. <laughs> yeah, and answer questions. It's a 2019 movie directed by Garinder Chutha, co-written by her, Paul Maeda Burgess, and Sarfraz Manzor. And it's based on, um, loosely based on Manzor's uh, teenage years, as uh, he's a journalist who's actually interviewed Springsteen, like, hundreds of times. Um, yeah, that was one of my favorite things about this movie, was finding out that it wasn't just, like, a phase that he had that like stood for some kind of cultural contrast like he has continued to like go to billions of springsteen concerts <laughs> i hope he gets in for free at this point honestly yeah seriously all the publicity also like um and it's starring uh vivit kalra Kovinder gear nell williams aaron pagura and dean charles chapman who played tommen on game of thrones Wait, who was he in this movie? He was uh, Matt uh, Javid's friend. Oh, he was the friend. Okay, he's gotcha. the white friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, and fe- I wrote as a note features music by Bruce Springsteen and others. Wouldn't that be hilarious if it didn't? Like, if he didn't give permission to use his music? <laughs> or any of the... No, they have the concert videos, but it's only his monologues. <laughs> And they it's make just... up, like, generic, like, Bruce Springsteen-sounding songs. <laughs> I'm in the car! <laughs> down in Freehold! <laughs> Whenever I try to do a Springsteen impression, I start off by saying the word Freehold. <laughs> does, does he say that? Yeah, he's he's from Freehold, New Jersey. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like, yeah, you sound a little bro- bit more Louis Armstrong there, but... Oh, when I was growing up and free, I am so bad at this. <laughs> You'll get there. See, you didn't have the childhood I did where I watched Mystery Science Theater constantly for some reason. But yeah, they they uh they come after Tiffany at one point, which is I thought was a little mean, but then again, they got permission to use her song, so I maybe it was in good fun. 
Yeah, the sort of um the sort of territory wars of like Bruce Springsteen being superior to other music was kind of a weird touch. <laughs> I think he he learned by the end that that was wrong though. Yeah, I guess that was symbolized by him apologizing to his friend for singing at him with his dad. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I have uh, questions for you. Yeah. What is your favorite Bruce Springsteen song? Wait, aren't I supposed to summarize the movie first? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Summarize the movie. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought that up because that's always the hardest part for me. It, in the in the one episode we've done, it's the hardest part for me. It, it was uh, my sister's fiance's favorite part. Good, because this is probably going to be kind of similar because, um, again, you, you've assigned me a movie that doesn't actually have like a really straightforward plot it kind of like ducks into a couple of different tunnels mm -hmm. and sort of finds itself uh where it finds itself but mm -hmm. so this movie is about a uh, a young uh pakistani uh teen in in a in a town in england which i don't remember the name of and i don't remember what year it is either it's it's the 80s right I yeah think. um yeah. it's taking place in the 80s and his pakistani family is you know very traditionalist and his father um kind of wants his son to have a better life and make more money than he did because he's you know a factory worker um and not really happy with that and but the son ends up getting recognized as like a poet and a writer and um amidst sort of the alienation that he feels uh when he starts going to a, a very white uh high school he discovers bruce springsteen music um, and it sort of changes his life, uh, kind of has a, a come to God sort of experience where he starts, like, he meets this other guy who also likes Bruce Springsteen. Um, and man, I'm telling this all out of order, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, basically his father gets fired from his factory job, um, and is kind of going through his own life crisis where he's like making his wife uh do more work and trying to get the kids all to get paying jobs and the son is trying to escape this uh he discovers springsteen starts seeing uh letters flying in the air with lyrics starts hallucinating them and he uh gets this girlfriend who is like an activist um and he converts her to bruce springsteen uh in a very evangelical sort of way um <laughs> eventually wins a trip to a college because uh he has this teacher who promotes his writing um and sort of it's just this gradual divide between him and his father who is um you know who again is more traditionalist uh doesn't really believe in meshing with the culture in fact uh his standpoint seems to be more based on keeping his head down um because he fears the sort of aggression of the of uh the the whiter british and of like there was some kind of nazi group i wasn't exactly sure of the historical context of that but like there were like fascists who were distinctly like anti-pakistani um national front i think yeah it was like the national front um yeah. and at one point uh at one point javed skips out on basically his sister's wedding to get Bruce Springsteen tickets. Um, and while he's doing that, uh, his father is attacked in a protest um, by the National Front. 
Um, and that's kind of him being him discovering that he has to sort of balance out uh, accepting uh, like like pursuing his own interests and also prioritizing like family and, and loved ones. Um, which I think is a really good and like helpful message that doesn't really get focused on that, that balance between sort of self-love, self-actualization and like trying to uh, be there for other people. Um, but eventually uh, it, it all comes to a head. His father rips up his tickets. Um, he basically runs away from home. Um, but while he is doing his like, uh, big speech in front of his school um his father comes in and sort of he realizes this this balance and uh the two universes are bridged okay nice that was kind of very scattershot even more than last time but that's kind of a summary right yeah yeah all right so what is your favorite bruce springsteen song probably for you i would say Oh, nice! Yeah, that's one of mine too. No, you, you, uh, you, you, you pushed that one on me, and I was like, okay, I can appreciate like the energy of this one, even yeah. though as it's you know going to quickly come out, I'm not necessarily the hugest fan. Right, right. Yeah, my my th- I, I have a three way tie on favorite Springsteen songs. Um, for you from his first album, mm-hmm. uh, Born to Run. That's kind of a given. <laughs> I, yeah, you uh, to 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 our listeners, Dylan has a tendency to end stories and movie scripts with uh with with scenes that could easily be set to the song "Born to Run." We started <laughs> referring to these as "Born to Run" endings. Yeah, where like the character kind of goes away or goes out, moves on. <laughs> um, and then uh, the th- my third or my other favorite is uh, Jackson Cage. Right, right, yeah. It's it's very upbeat, but also devastating. And I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi. And I know he probably wrote it about, like, some Jackson in New Jersey, but it, <laughs> it feels like it's about Mississippi to me. And that ties into the theme of the film, the kind of uh, universal experience right. that can be uh, that can be expressed even through a very, uh, a very specific, like, uh, lens. Right. Okay, so who is your favorite musician or band that acts as kind of a, a muse for you, maybe as Springsteen did for Jabed? Oh man, I don't know. I don't really esteem musicians. Um, <laughs> let me think about that. I mean, I definitely had an MCR phase that never really ended. Um, oh yeah, I love MCR. <laughs> I, I do remember um, discovering... Uh, uh, this is this is kind of backwards, but I discovered uh, Danger Days before their other albums, and I was like, "Yeah, this is pretty much it." I um had uh, Doug showed me the Welcome to the Black Parade music video in college. I really I hadn't heard any MCR until then. We both discovered it kind of late in life, yeah. But yeah, um... <laughs> we went through our emo phase. Uh, in in my case, I went through my emo phase in my early to mid twenties. I'm still in my emo phase. You're you're a walking emo phase. <laughs> for a while there, I used to. Um, for a while there, this is kind of tangential, but I would listen to the, the Gorillas, Clint Eastwood, every single time uh, I started writing because I was calling it the Invocation of the Muse. Nice. 
Um, okay, so favorite and least favorite thing about the film. You might have touched on that in your summary, but... Yeah, okay, so I think, like I said, I did really like the sort of conclusion that it came to about about that balance of of realities of like self self actualization versus um actually you know giving a giving a shit about other people and i think i think that's something that it, i don't really see expressed in film very often so i, yeah, I it's I like, like one way or the other right yeah exactly it's about one or the other usually yeah um which ends up I, usually I, I think it's it comes down to like they're just trying to focus you know and focus on a theme but it ends up accidentally sort of creating this really weird vacuum uh black and white conflict um i think my least favorite thing was just i think the best way i can put it is just that like it felt kind of scattered um in a way that like I didn't really know what it was trying to say or what it was trying to focus on a lot of the time. I felt like it was touching on a lot of interesting things without really honing in on them. Um, I think that it, it, I would say it had the feel to me of a movie that was based on a book that was based on like an autobiography that made more sense, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think it felt like there were like chunks and themes and like, sections that were like missing almost i feel like i don't know if he's written uh an autobiography i think he should uh because i I went in without really being clear on how much of a true story it was but i was like yeah i feel like there's more here that we're not seeing like like just as an example a big focus was like the cultural clash between uh like you know english culture and pakistani culture and i kept waiting for that to come to some kind of like conclusion and it really didn't which like makes sense as the story of some guy's life, but as a movie, it felt kind of lacking. And the other thing is just that like a, a distinct like vibe of like not for me because like <laughs> that's I, I knew that when I assigned it to you. <laughs> no, I know, I know you knew, so I don't think this is coming as a surprise. But it's like even the scenes where like it's playing Bruce Springsteen and you know letters are floating in the air and it's like inspiring and stuff. I'm like this this vibe is so mid like i don't get it like they were trying so hard to like make it feel inspiring and life-changing and i'm like this is elevator music what's happening right now that was exactly how i felt when i first like listened to um i i sat down and like listened to the born to run album <laughs> like i'm really happy for you but it was it was really funny for my wife and i who were just like he's saying he's a boy and he wants to go away and it's like that's not that deep you know (laughs) explode and tear this whole town apart take a knife and cut this pain from my heart (laughs) i I really like the part where he he screams the lyrics to badlands at the racists (laughs) for the ones who had the notion the notion deep inside I feel like, okay, so also true confession, I feel like it was, like, a lot of those moments were really empowering to him, and I'm really glad, but if I was there in person, I would be cringing so t- so much. Oh, it's, so many of the singings, like, when they're running around singing Born to Run, or when he's, like, serenading that girl with a Thunder Road, it's uh-huh. cringe, but it's, it's that good, cringe. it's that like, good cringe. That I love. Like if I was if I was in that high school when he like turned the thing up on the loudspeakers and was running through singing, I would be like, "Who is this asshole?" <laughs> right. Get out of my face. Yeah. I- 
I did a lot of musical theater, so I, I knew people like that, and they were annoying. <laughs> I remember one time at the college we both went to, yeah. uh, it was one of those, uh, it was like, uh, you know, open hall, which I guess we can't really explain right now, but it was a really weird concept where yeah. everybody could, like, go into, like, the opposite gender's dorms. Hey, we, we went to we a went, Christian college. Yeah. Um, but there was some guy walking around with a boombox the whole time, this one time, and just, like, drawing attention with, like, doing some kind of performative, like, I don't even know what he was doing, but I was just like, I hate this. I, I yeah. don't want to be near this person. <laughs> yeah, but in the movie, it was like, I <laughs> the, the Born to Run scene in my head, I'm like... <laughs> I could, I can, I could imagine you watching that and going, "This is what Dylan actually believes." <laughs> yeah, I was like, I feel, I feel like, I feel like this movie's trying to convert me to a religion that is not my religion. <laughs> you will accept our Lord and Savior, the Boss. <laughs> um, all right. So overall, was this movie born to run, or did it make you want to step into a suicide machine? Oh boy, that's pretty intense. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's really that intense of a <laughs> of an opinion. So, um, yeah, out of ten, <laughs> out of ten, uh, I I got to give it four Paul heads. Okay. <laughs> it yeah. was, it it was just um, it I I didn't think it was bad. I just I just thought it was it felt incomplete to me. Yeah. Oh, I I did. I also meant to ask you: Did you, as a poet and a writer, did you relate to the main character and kind of his struggles? I mean, I think I might have more if I had gone to like high school and had okay. that experience, or if I had parents who didn't encourage me to to, to write. <laughs> but my parents were very encouraging about that, and I didn't really face any tension really until I got into college, and that was more like. That's where I re- that's where I found the haters <laughs> in college. So it, was, it was kind of a reversed experience. <laughs> By haters, do do you mean people who critiqued stuff in colloquy? Oh well, yeah, I mean when people told me that what I was doing was not perfect. <laughs> yeah, right, right. How dare they? <laughs> At which point I rose up like a brave revolutionary and told them they were wrong and that there should not be <laughs> teachers or professors <laughs> based. <laughs> I'm just built different. Okay, so that's uh, uh, that's it for our discussion on Blinded by the Light. And now we're going to uh, the other Blinded by the Light. The After an ad, right? Yes, yes, we do have an ad. We just need communication. Poisoned, cursed, haunted, overgrown. The land of Laskmere, kingdom of the Rot Lord. Here, humanity struggles to survive the oppression of the wild beasts and plagues. Hunters from among the people rise up to challenge the monsters of the Rot Lord's domain. The kingdom's disdain tells the story of Cardinal, a young man who begins his journey naked in the cave of a man-eating mountain spider along with Sirish, Blessed Blade Princess of Alderoy, and Mad Crossbones, Necromancing Alchemist of the Dark Elves. He follows the Light of the Fiends down his path with one goal. He must kill the Rot Lord himself. Read Web of Bones, Book One of the Kingdom Sustained, now on Amazon Kindle. 
and we are back. I hope you uh, I hope you all purchased HelloFresh and uh, tried Raid Shadow Legends. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are we talking about the other movie now? Yes. All right. Yeah, so The Lighthouse is a 2019 film directed by Robert Eggers with a screenplay by him um, and his brother Max Eggers. It stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, and uh, that's pretty much all it stars. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, really the whole, um, you know, the costume team and the uh, the sound team and the the camera (laughs) people are also... uh, deserve some credit here but i'm not really up on the names it's 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 really an art piece yeah um so i give a summary mm-hmm. willem dafoe and robert pattinson are in a lighthouse in the 19th century where they fight fat and fuck <laughs> okay good good not necessarily fuck each other I, they might want to but uh he uh he fucked the light he, he fucked, fucked the, the light, light. He fucked the light. He fucked the light. He fucked the light. He fucked the light. It's a shout out to uh, Synth Cool in his review of American Pie. He just screams, he fucked the pie over. I didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) I was just, I was doing a shout out. It's really easy to get me chanting things. (laughs) It is. Um, Well, yeah. So, so the rest of the summary, was that it? Yeah, I mean it's um, it's also Prometheus, kind of, but not. It's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a kind of horror, um, surrealist, uh, trip movie. <laughs> kind of a character drama. Yeah, it's it's just about it's just about two guys in a tower, uh, in a lighthouse, uh, arguing with each other and farting and hallucinating. <laughs> right, and it's a masterpiece. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Like I said before, I kind of expected to hate it, and it turned out to be amazing. I love it when I don't know what a movie is about. I was watching The Lighthouse, and I spilled my beans on the floor, and Willem Dafoe yelled, You shouldn't have spilled your beans! And everyone <laughs> laughed. And it, and it echoed across the expanse. <laughs> Yeah, it really is hard to really just describe what is in this movie. It's kind of one you have to see. Right. Um, uh, I w- so first question would be, uh, what was your favorite part? Favorite, so favorite part, thing that happened in the movie or favorite thing about the movie? Uh, we'll do one and then the other. Okay, favorite thing about the movie was how it was filmed. It wasn't just, you know, black and white, like they put a black and white lens over it. They mm-hmm it looked like an old movie. Like I, I actually, I did some research and they were getting camera parts from like the 1930s. Yeah. To try to make it have that feel and that tone. And that it's a, it's a really kind of eerie sort of tone that those old movies had. Yeah. They, they emphasized, uh, they did, they used camera um, techniques that emphasize the contrast. So that like, all of the all of the shadows and all of the like wrinkles and everything would just be like extra emphasized in the most like eerie old timey looking way. Yeah. Favorite moment in the movie had to have been when they were getting drunk and dancing. 
<laughs> and Robert Pattinson was like, <laughs> and he was like spitting and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> this is a hard movie to talk about, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I could talk about it for hours. <laughs> Um, I don't know if this is on your question list, but uh, which one is you and which one is me? Um, well, if I can't be the light, then I'm probably Willem Dafoe. If we're if we have to be one or the other, because I'm more likely to have tentacles. That's fair, but I'm more likely to go on a long, angry rant at somebody for not liking my cooking. Oh, you're right about that. Yeah, I, I'm more. I'm more likely to. Uh, I'm more likely to steal a person's identity and then disappear into a vast uh, delusion. Yeah, and I think I, both of us might fuck a light. Both of us might fuck a light, yeah, that's true. Well, you wouldn't <laughs> now because that would um, be cheating on your wife. My wife is the light. Light of my Aww. life. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> um, um, my next question about this movie is, uh, is it is June. Is this movie LGBTQ? I asked that question because I started searching The Lighthouse today, and the first question that came up was, is The Lighthouse LGBTQ? I think that's, it's an interpretation, I think. Like, um, I, I saw somebody say that Winslow's violent behavior might be him repressing his attraction to men. That's fair. They and did almost make out that one time. They did, yes. They they at least one time. Did. Yeah. <laughs> they um and he he had that line like, "Do you ever feel guilty when you're with a woman?" And I, who knows what that means? <laughs> <laughs> who knows what the mermaid stands for? <laughs> right. There's also the mermaid. He might be bi. Um, Worth noting that uh, that Robert Eggers did intend for the lighthouse to resemble a penis. Oh, okay. I didn't even catch on to that. Yeah, it was a phallic symbol. Wow. Okay. A, a, a big, a big tower with a rounded top that shoots out a light. Um, my next question: Who was the good guy and who was the bad guy in this movie? There were no good guys. <laughs> um, I actually sympathized with Winslow a little more. Well, because like, so I've I've been an employee in situations where uh, the boss or Actually, uh, Willem Dafoe's character didn't resemble the boss so much as the co-worker who thinks he's the boss. Yeah, no, that was true. Because he had seniority, and he's just always bitching about, like, every little thing and trying to do bullshit, like, dock your pay. Like, I, so I, even though I think they were trying to paint Winslow as the more unpleasant one, I, I think the cat, or, uh, I keep forgetting Wake. Wake, was, yeah. Yeah. Wake, um, he, except when, when he was drunk, he was funny, but mm -hmm. the, the other scenes hit a little too close to home for me. Um, I really liked that part where they were arguing about whether the floor was clean because they, they don't ever show the floor <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in that scene. I thought that was really clever. Like, so it's, it's up to interpretation if he actually did a good job or not. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's because it's ambiguous. Also, when he was like, you want to be coveted for just existing, I felt attacked because I do. <laughs> yeah. I am a bitch who wants to be coveted for existing. <laughs> you deserve it. 
you deserve oh, a queen. Thank you. Um, thank you. But um, one reason, uh, one of the apparent uh, concepts for this movie, because a lot, basically, uh, basically the creator just put in a bunch of different things um, and sort of tied them together. One of the main concepts was that this was just sort of Prometheus and Proteus sort of shoved together into the same myth. What's Proteus? Proteus was, I believe, a sea god. Okay. Yeah. Um, you put me on the spot here when I'm trying to look like a, a Greek mythology expert, which I usually we, am. But... We need to get Mason on here. Listen, listen. <laughs> I am a mythology expert. Don't don't threaten me like that. Mason is our friend who is um, actually like trained like in like classical stuff and like archaeology and all that so proteus was a uh so proteus was an old sea god who was able to predict the future and also was infamous for shape-shifting um oh okay but also um did mason get a 97 in the national mythology exam when he was eight years old i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) i'll ask him (laughs) still riding that high um Shout out so, to Mason. Please come on our podcast and uh, school Paul. Stop. I will quit. <laughs> um, so my final question about this movie is uh, what happened at the end of the movie? Uh, he fucked the light. He, he fucked, fucked the, light. the light. He fucked he the light. light. And it was not a good, fu- or it was, it was a very good fuck, but he, uh, it kept sucking after. Uh, I need to stop. <laughs> he he attained gnosis, and it was and it was terrible. Um, yeah, it was horrifying. One thing. Uh, so so it was left intentionally ambiguous. Um, mm-hmm. Like there is no, I don't think, one interpretation for what a lot of this means. But um, apparently, people have asked what um, uh, Winslow saw at the end, and uh, Robert Eggers has said. Um, if you saw it, if I let you see it, the same thing would happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is cool. I wonder... Yeah, I wonder why why Wake was able to look at it. I don't know. It seems like it was kind of a, like, ultimate... Tr- um, but I'm guessing that different people would have seen different things in there. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to be eaten apart... Or- yeah, like get my liver eaten out by seagulls. Yeah, I mean that was that you did get that that was basically Prometheus, right? Uh, I d- didn't until I was like reading TV tropes afterwards because Prometheus just isn't at the top of my mind. Oh, that's fair. Time. He's on my mind a lot of the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I always kind of get people mixed up. Like I know Frankenstein, modern Prometheus, fire. Then I I actually like just looked up the whole story and I'm like wow this isn't a very long story. <laughs> no, it's just he he was a god who gave fire to people and then Zeus punished him and maybe Hercules freed him. Uh yeah, depends on the the version. Yeah, they should do a sequel where somebody frees uh Winslow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Lighthouse Two: Revenge of Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> they should make it a musical. Oh yes, like absolutely. The Land like Before Joker. Time movies. Um, <laughs> the first one was like dark and scary, and then the ones after it were like animated musicals. 
singing dinosaurs. Yes. Um, okay, is that all we have to say about the lighthouse? Oh, how many uh, how many Dylan heads do you give it? Man, this is a nine out of ten, dude. Good. This is a great. great. Yeah, th- this was a great movie. <laughs> it was fantastic. I, I want to watch it again. Just talking about it, honestly. Yeah, I I probably would watch uh, Blinded by the Light again before I'd watch this one again, just because Blinded by the Light's an easy watch, and I feel yeah. good afterwards. This one is a very foreboding. See, I felt good about this, but that's 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 just me. Yeah, it felt um, it felt like mostly a, mostly a dark comedy to me, if I'm being honest. Yeah, a lot of a lot of it really was. There are a lot of really good lines. Um, the both of their long rants at each other. Yeah, no, the the monologues are are fantastic, and apparently very much like taken directly from the way that uh, like sailors from the era spoke. Um, ladies, this is how men act when you're not around, if you, if you ever wonder. <laughs> it's a little bit true, though. Like, we're joking, but also it's a little bit true. Like, if you lock two men up together for too long, they will fight and briefly, like, fall in love with each other and eventually, like, probably try to murder each other. That was how we met. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, that was The White House. We just need communication. Can we get communication? Hey there. Interested in buying a cat? How about a garden? Or a skeleton? My name's Caitlin, and I can get you all three. As jewelry design said us. My store on etsy.com slash shop slash skeleton garden co. You can buy these and more in necklace, ring, and earring form. Feel free to visit my store, Skeleton Garden Co. At the address, once again, that's etsy.com slash shop slash skeleton garden co. Thank you. Do another Springsteen impression. Those were funny. Down into the steelworks. Born and died in New Jersey. <laughs> okay. Um, so our next one, this this might have us fighting like Wake and Winslow. Yeah. Yep. It's time for us to fight. This is the episode where where we uh chase away any listeners who were sort of calmed by our presence, because this is the one where we fight. Yes. Um, so Avengers Endgame, the last, uh, or kind of end of the era movie in, they call it the Infinity Saga? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure <laughs> um, so I... If if you haven't seen me in real life, I'm basically a living embodiment of the Swayjack meme. So I really like um I, I don't like all the MCU movies, but I in general I'm a fan. What's and... interesting is that I think of I think I might be in some ways more of an MCU fan than you. Like I like all of pretty much all of them. Oh, okay. A lot of them bore me, but 
I mean, we we both agree Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is one of the best movies ever made, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, and and yeah, so, some of them are, are more middling than others, and there's yeah. definitely a little bit of copy-paste going on, especially now. Hands down, Guardians 2 is, like, the best MCU movie. Oh, definitely, without without an argument. Right. Um, Guardians 1 is good because it leads up to 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking Endgame, about... on the other hand... Yeah, we're talking about Endgame, which Paul has feelings about. And I, I have feelings about, too. It would be insensitive for me to say that it's one of the worst things that's happened to modern society, but it's how I feel in my heart. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> it was so, so bad. It Like, like I was there for the hype. I was there for the buildup. I really liked all the movies getting there. I liked the crossing over. Endgame was not it, man. Um, I mean, Infinity War was also not it, so I was kind of a little bit ready for that when it started happening. Um, so we open. So we open. All of the characters are just tireder and dirtier and like the worst versions of themselves. Which and is reasonable because, like. But it's not, it's still not aesthetic. That's, I think that's one of the things I'm getting at is that nothing about this movie, like looked or felt good. Well, half of population had just been left, like wiped out. It doesn't matter. Like the film is an aesthetic, like it's an aesthetic art piece. It's not a retelling of true events. (laughs) And like everything about this movie, just like, like, like a lot of early MCU movies, they try really hard to craft an image and like, depict something visibly and like have a look this movie didn't have a look sorry i just kind of went off on a a random complaint i'm kind of scattershot um (laughs) like what did Um, you like about this movie so i can tell you how you're wrong so what i liked i thought both i liked infinity war a little more but um i for both of those movies i thought they did a really good job of having I, I didn't know if they'd be able to pull off having so many characters with their own plot lines, but I thought they did that pretty well. Everyone was out of character. <laughs> I I didn't feel that. I really did. Especially, you know, how I care about Guardians of the Galaxy. Every scene with the Guardians of the Galaxy felt wrong. Did it? Yeah, it really did. Huh. Um, it just felt like somebody had like watched those movies and was like, Oh, they just say mean things to each other. That's their whole character. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, Rocket is pretty mean. He is, but that was like all we got from them pretty much. Other than, for whatever fucking reason, just making Star-Lord responsible for every single bad thing that's ever happened. That was weird. I'm, um, I'll I'll give you that. I, I, I like the Rocket-Thor friendship. It was unexpected, but it was kind of cool. It was also underdeveloped. Um, I think that I didn't like the part. I, I guess we're still a, we're still a little bit in Infinity War here because it is kind of a singular piece. Yeah. I didn't really like the fact that they had the abusive father figure kill his daughter off permanently and just let that be a thing that stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't really like that for some reason they could use the Infinity Stones to bring back everyone who had been snapped away, but nobody else. And they didn't really explain why. I didn't like the fact that they literally had, like, limitless divine power. And that was all they decided to do with it. 
Well, every time they use it, somebody either has to die or be the Hulk. Okay, they have all the Hulk. Okay, speaking of the Hulk, I... So, Professor Hulk, that was really a cop-out that they had him go through his big character arc off-screen between movies. And God, I hated looking at him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I did like that he was the one who brought everybody back, which was... Nobody focuses on, but for a a character who one of his main things is being ashamed of himself for causing destruction. He restores people's lives. That that was kind of cool. Well, yeah, after he basically what happened there was that uh, Bruce Banner completely consumed and destroyed the Hulk personality and was just a big, strong green guy. The Hulk was written out of the story. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he say he was working with him, though? Yeah, they said that, but he wasn't really doing... He was just being a scientist for whatever reason. Okay. I hated it. (laughs) I know you disagree on this, too. I liked the stuff with Thor. I thought it was a very relatable depiction of depression. Okay, so that was in a really awkward position. Like, Like, I feel like they couldn't decide whether they wanted it to be funny or not. And, like, so they split the difference in this really awkward way where they're like, ha, ha, ha. We'll get Thor and we'll put him in a fat suit, but we won't make jokes about him being fat because that would be fat phobic. But also, you know, we're making jokes about him being fat by having him be fat on the screen. But that, I don't, that, to me, that's kind of how being at a low point feels like it's objectively kind of funny, but. But he's literally, I don't know if everyone agrees about that. Oh, okay. Well, I, that's, and, it's, it's how I feel. I mean, I. I, I, um, if I'm anxious or depressed, I have an issue with overindulgence. <laughs> I mean, turning Thor into a joke character for the climactic movie, I, I, I didn't really like that. But at the, the end when he goes like, I'm still worthy. I, I don't know. I felt that. But also Captain America was worthy. So, you know, a lot of people are worthy. <laughs> or pretty replaceable, of- apparently. No, it's, it's, it's like a few people who are like pure of heart or whatever. And then he's like, hey, you're a woman I know. You should be in charge instead. He, he had bonded with her for years. Or, and she also, I mean, his, he's not in really the role to lead. He's more of a warrior. Well, right? he, I mean, he, that was kind of his whole arc in the first two movies, though, which they just don't like to uh, acknowledge existing. <laughs> ah. Oh, are you going to see Love and Thunder? Yeah, I'll see up. it. I, I have mixed feelings about the Taika Waititi uh, Thor movies, just because I think they're really great and really fun, but also I don't like that being the tone of Thor, and I don't like how they kind of just try to, again, sweep the previous movies and they're sort of more Shakespearean tone under, under the rug. Oh, okay. I don't like Thor being the new Star-Lord. Oh, alright, alright. He's a lot nicer than Star-Lord. Yeah, but for some reason, he has the same sense of humor uh, as of Ragnarok. Like, the exact sense, the same sense of humor. I thought the time travel didn't make sense and was garbage. There's so many ways to do time travel, and the one they did was just, like, really strained and didn't make any sense in any sort of context. Like, I remember there was the moment where, like, I think it was the the new Nebula, like, shot the old Nebula. And we were like, oh, is she gonna cease to exist or something? 
And the characters just stood there staring at each other in this long pregnant silence and nothing happened and the scene ended. And I was just like, what the hell was that? Maybe when, when they time traveled, they became variants. Oh gosh, we can't even bring low-key variants into this. That'll become too much of a mess. True. <laughs> um, oh, Captain Marvel isn't a bad character, but she was bad in this movie. I, I actually haven't seen the Captain Marvel movie. I liked it, actually. I liked it. Her whole, like, character conclusion was like, hey, I can care about Earth and, like, the people on my home planet. And for some reason in this movie, she shows up to a planet where mass genocide of the universe has been enacted. And she's just like, this isn't my business. Like, what is your business? (laughs) Thanos, I thought, was a weaker character in this movie than he was in Infinity War. Especially because they killed him in the beginning. Like, I like as a writer, I liked the whole, like, the the fact that, like, you know, his thing was done and they killed him and the, it wasn't a big deal. But then to bring him back and act like he was the big bad they had to fight and that was, like, the big climax, I thought that didn't really work. Thanos in Infinity War and at the beginning of Endgame. So there are a lot of villains, especially now, who are, like, well-intentioned extremists. Mm-hmm. But... I don't get the, uh, like, the way they're played, mm-hmm. I very rarely get the vibe that they see themselves as a hero or as doing the right thing. Like, yeah, you might say, like, I'm doing this because I think it'll be good for the world, but they're still doing, like, evil laughs and being, like, yeah, dicks. being sadistic about it. Yeah. yeah. Thanos, I mean, he has a few sadistic moments, but he comes across, like, and, you know, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, Thanos was right. People can go fuck themselves. But <laughs> as far as how he acts, I buy that he believes that he's the hero here. And he has, like, that that tone of, like, the big good in some Western, I guess, where he's like, I am doing the right thing or something. But when past Thanos comes in, he's just a generic bad guy who's, like, calling everybody insignificant worms and beginning of the movie he uh he he doesn't become like the new ruler or anything he just goes to a planet and cooks some soup or whatever he basically shreks <laughs> he, he becomes shrek he becomes shrek um he became I, a I, shrek I gotta keep wondering why he didn't use the Infinity Stones to create more resources instead of killing half of the universe. Yeah, in the comics, isn't he just in love with death? Yeah, which is a way cooler motivation, and that's one reason I also think this incarnation is kind of weak. I think comic book movies, they're slowly realizing that they can do the weird comic book shit and have mainstream appeal. One day we'll get a movie where the superhero actually wears their superhero costume for a significant portion of the film. <laughs> they actually wear their mask. <laughs> wear the freaking mask. That's um, the cool thing about Deadpool is yeah, like, they don't try to cash in on this is Ryan Reynolds all the time. Yeah, they, no, they, honestly, I think that like I, I unironically believe that like 80% of what makes the Deadpool movies good is just that he's a Deadpool who looks like Deadpool the entire time. Um I feel like there's so much to say about this movie. Um, I feel like you've been having this argument for years. (laughs) Yeah, so the five years later thing, that was ballsy, and it was cool because it it made it to where no matter how they fix this problem, there are real lasting consequences, and I think it creates an interesting world. um, I do agree with that. Um, I think think I'm bothered that they couldn't commit to, like one concept or another like like 
like five years later plus killing thanos in the beginning was was an interesting like story take and an interesting angle and presented something unique that i um i thought could have gone in interesting directions and to then act like it was a regular big battle thing at the end just mm-hmm. didn't work for me at all yeah yeah practically i agree but like there they was... were so close to not leaning on the myth of regenerative violence as their primary uh, narrative, but nope, this is a Marvel, uh, this is an American film, so once you kill some guy, everything has to get fixed. That's how we have to do it. I, I thought cinematically, like, the use of silence in both the end of Infinity War, when people are fading away, mm-hmm. I I have this weird problem where I cannot fall asleep for the life of me. It takes, like, an hour when I get into bed to, like, when I close my eyes, but in a movie theater specifically, I doze off. So I was like half asleep watching the end of Infinity War. And it, it, when everyone started fading away, it was like a horrifying fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie of Infinity War felt like a fever dream, which isn't really what I was going for um, mm-hmm. in a Marvel film. So the use of silence in this one, when, you know, Captain America's on the ground and like he hears on your left mm-hmm. and people start pouring in, it's like the slow pitter patter of rain gradually becoming a storm when everyone comes in. And I'm not going to try to say that the fight at the end makes sense, but it was fucking cool yeah. to me. Whenever you do the thing where you have like a, like all the good guys fight all the bad guys, I, I tend to think it almost always turns out kind of stupid because you end up diminishing everybody's powers in order to fit that sort of big battle scene. But like, I like I like when everyone's together. But we've seen that Doctor Strange can manipulate time and space. <laughs> true, true. You're he right. literally like imprisoned Doromamu in like infinity or Doromaru. <laughs> so I, I always forget how that's pronounced. So you you feel like they nerfed him? I feel like they nerfed everybody. And again, we have millions of uh just guys like alien guys who have no like value as beings apparently that just drop dead as soon as the bad guy is defeated which i think is just like a bad trope to keep leaning into (laughs) that version of them some of them are probably still out there somewhere in this timeline Uh, yeah you're right about that being confusing (laughs) and they really only use the time travel in order to like do kind of a clip show of like previous movie scenes which and most of their choices weren't even like that inspired as far as what clips to use i I didn't think i did like seeing star lord from other people's perspective when he's listening to the walkman that would have been funny on its own if the entire two movies were not an attempt to assassinate the character of star lord (laughs) You felt like they were trying to assassinate his character. The, yeah, the, like every single like moment in the movie like is about how he's how he's a complete failure and nobody likes him and he ruined everything and uh, his love interest is dead and the new one kicks him in the balls. <laughs> um, I thought it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Hopefully, in Guardians three and the holiday special, it'll it'll be kind of a return to form. With a what? <laughs> yeah, they're doing... You didn't hear about that? No. <laughs> Before Guardians 3, there's... I think it's it's like on, for Disney+, Plus. there's going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Okay. And, and obviously named bad. after the Star Wars holiday special. Could have too much Thor in it? We'll have to see. 
I think Thor's gonna part from the group in Love and Thunder. Gotcha. Like, because in the trailers, it looks like he's with them and then goes and does his own thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we'll get to see the Guardians, and that's another reason I'm excited for Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. More Guardians. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And, oh, what what else? Oh, yeah, okay, so maybe my experience with this movie was colored by seeing it in theaters. Obviously, with COVID, I haven't felt this in a while, but then when I went to see the Bob's Burgers movie, I felt that... Um, having other people in the theater with you reacting to things it's like it's infectious i mean i saw it in the same sort of well it was late at night i guess that could have been part of it but i did see it in the theater and i was like i was like what are y'all screaming about (laughs) i i i it was just really i guess when i i go to a movie like that i kind of turn my brain off and i'm along for the ride and people were cheering when, you know, the Wakandans came in and I'm like, yeah, that's so cool. And, um, I know the, uh, the, the internet's ruined that cause everyone's cynical and is like, you're a soy boy for cheering at a superhero movie, but you know, fuck you. It's like a roller coaster. Oh, I love superhero movies. I don't love stories about mass genocide followed by mid tier time travel stories. <laughs> yeah i'm not trying to claim you're one of those people who does that (laughs) anyone else (laughs) why why did iron man use the gauntlet why was it him (laughs) the hulk was there (laughs) he He was there and i i want to i want to add here that like like i you know i cried when iron man died it was sad i like iron man i love these movies but anyone else could have done it it just didn't make any sense <laughs> and and at the few sorry to talk over you but all of my emotional reaction was cut off when they cut to his funeral and uh professor hulk was there in that suit it was like may as well put shrek there may as well put peter griffin there like <laughs> it <looked> ridiculous <laughs> I, I, I do love those videos where they like edit peter griffin in <laughs> They had Shrek die. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're just gonna put like B Shrek test in the house is gonna show up and like give a monologue about how Iron Man changed their lives. Iron Man is like an onion, proof that Tony Stark has layers. All the minions are standing there throwing roses into the. <laughs> <laughs> What's that noise? Those noises they make. <laughs> like that. Uh, I can't believe that Minions was better than uh, Endgame. <laughs> I've never seen the Minions movie. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I... <laughs> oh, okay. I saw a preview for the the uh, new Young Gru movie or whatever. <laughs> there have been trailers for it for like four years. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, they just, they keep having trailers for it. We're, we, we have to believe that it's finally going to come out. Everybody is like anticipating the young Gru movie the <laughs> rise of Gru. <laughs> oh rise of Gru, right <laughs> this is a minion fan podcast now <laughs> this is a minion fan podcast where we talk about how dylan hasn't seen minions and we make bad noises at each other <laughs> maybe yeah. as like a patreon bonus when we have a patreon <laughs> tony zaret's munions videos <laughs> not your grandma's minions i just I'm, I'm noticing a trend where I just reference obscure YouTubers. Yeah, that does seem to be a thing that you're doing. Just is, shout outs. Is Tony Zaret obscure? I think so. I know Synth Cool is. 
He fucked the light. <laughs> he fucked the light. Okay, so what are we doing? Uh, are we done talking about Endgame, or do we want to scream some more? I, I think we gotta rank it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, um, I will give it negative three Paul heads. Wow. Okay, so practically, I mean, it is not a perfect movie by any stretch, but it, based on how much I enjoyed it. And basically, like, I have some of the same issues you do, and they're not deal breakers for me. I just don't know what, a, like, to me, nothing about it was enjoyable. Like, there like there was nothing about it that was, like, fun or entertaining. I'm like, Dead Air would have been more entertaining to me. I'm gonna give it an 8 out of 10, sorry. <laughs> Our battle continues. <laughs> oh. Our own Infinity War. <laughs> Have you ever in a whenever there's a Marvel movie titled something war, it's more like a battle. <laughs> yeah, like, I know there was no real war. It was Infinity, just like a little fight. Infinity War, I can see being a little more of a war because there were like multiple fronts of the fight and a bunch of armies. But Civil War, yeah, was, that was a couple of people at a that was a couple of people at an airport fighting each other, like not even really going that hard. And, I mean, it was based on a comic that was more of a war, so they, yeah. I guess it was just the reuse of the name. Okay, fuck, Mary kill. Oh, good, yeah. Bruce Springsteen, Oof. Thanos, Oof. and The Lighthouse. Oh, The Light itself. The Light, it, yes. Hmm. Okay. I have mine. Hmm. I gotta think Obviously, about Obviously, Mary Bruce Springsteen, he's the most pleasant out of those three. <laughs> Plus, he's rich. Fuck Thanos. Zaddy energy. And I don't want to do anything to or with that lighthouse. Okay, see, so that's the thing. And and I hate to have a trend of, of killing the character uh, uh your 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 best boy. Um <laughs> because he's obviously the most like traditionally attractive of these figures, but just thinking about it, like chance to fuck Thanos, sorry, but like <laughs> I wanna know. <laughs> I've got questions. I've got so many questions. And as far as the light goes, listen, listen, I'm built different. Okay. I'm <laughs> it's sure you like, if, if we're seeing it as kind of like Lovecraftian knowledge of the infinite, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I am the Lovecraft protagonist who will attempt. You are. Yeah, I can't, I can't not. <laughs> See, okay, if, if I, if it was guaranteed that I wouldn't suffer some sort of karmic punishment, I might would fuck the lighthouse and kill Thanos. Yeah. But I, I don't, yeah. I don't want to, or I might kill the lighthouse. Cause like it put my boy on the beach being eaten by seagulls. That's kind of a dick move. I don't care if you're a Lovecraftian being, you're not above my moral standards. Uh, unless the lighthouse is listening. In which case I, I, I don't mean that. Please don't do anything to me. Yeah, if you're a lighthouse, please don't be offended. We're uh, we're sorry. Um, we uh, are happy to be educated. I, I I just I don't want anything to do with that. Now, do you think Springsteen would go into the light at the lighthouse? I could see him being that sort of like I want to know the unknown hero. Okay, I see him getting really close to somebody who does go to the light, and like making a bunch of songs about what happened to them and how they were outside of his reach and stuff like that. For you, for you. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> he's more of the, I think he's a little bit more of the, of the watcher in that kind of scenario. 
sing sing a song from Springsteen's perspective if he was uh, Winslow's friend. We shouldn't kill that seagull. <laughs> <laughs> And all those late nights drinking honey and turpentine. You reached into the light. But I want to start a fight. We should expand on that. <laughs> Send it to Springsteen. Have him sing it on his concert tour. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> Springsteen, if you're listening to this, um, I'm your biggest fan. Paul is, uh, he he respects you as an artist, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure. Please uh, sing our song about the lighthouse. Please come on to our podcast. Yeah, that would be so cool. <laughs> because <laughs> he's he, one of the, the biggest rock stars in the world is definitely going to come on. You got to believe. You got to manifest it. That's true. Let's manifest it. Get us to... 100 followers and we will write a letter to bruce springsteen that his uh publicist will throw in the trash yes we're we're gonna make this happen yes let's New do goal. it see now now our character arcs have a motivation we have a distinguishable goal which will bring in uh new listeners either bruce springsteen or gerard way <laughs> either one yeah or both hopefully okay you know what synth cool come on the podcast Don't i barely know who you are but come on the podcast <laughs> synth cool he's uh he's he has a podcast where he he talks with people so uh i don't know maybe we could do a crossover and we can scream about people fucking things yeah sounds good sounds good sounds like Let's a plan um should we do our assignments yes because I feel like I have assigned you two certified masterpieces, okay, I'm going to try and balance things out, and I'm going to assign you uh, the 2017 uh, horror comedy The Babysitter, found on Netflix. Okay. Um, I'm going to assign you the film The Station Agent. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard of that, so good. It's like my favorite movie. Oh, cool. Nice. I think it... It, it's past the Royal Tannenbaums on my personal barometer. Jeez. Oh, yeah. the one. Oh, with Peter Dinklage. Okay, you have yeah, mentioned that one before. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the station agent and the babysitter and an in between. Um. Oh yeah. What is our in between? <laughs> What's the babysitter about? Uh, it's like. It's like a it's like a horror slasher movie with with an evil babysitter in it. <laughs> so fairly odd parents <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> um and we're then... gonna watch the fairly odd parents fairly odder <laughs> <laughs> no we're gonna live stream the entire thing <laughs> the station agent is just it's it's about a guy who moves to a new place and he's a little person and he's dealing with i guess being othered for that but also kind of learning to open himself up to friends Gotcha. And just day in the life sort of things. So something where someone is being othered and also pursued by a killer. <laughs> hmm. Um. This might always need to be something we do between episodes. We should do our our outro in the Springsteen voice. Okay. All right. On the count of three. Ready? Okay. But you you gotta count like Springsteen. I don't <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready. Hard to believe that he made me watch that. 
better at impressions than me <laughs> when i try to do when i try to do springsteen i end up sounding too country <laughs> i'm like i'm bruce springsteen like no that's not how he sounds that's like hulk hogan you gotta do like a guy who isn't really old but like is trying to sound really old <laughs> he he always did like sound like his first album he made when he was like in his 20s and he still he sounded like at least middle-aged yeah no watching like concert videos i'm just like oh he looks so young but he still sounds like that like mm -hmm. he always sounds like this is his comeback tour <laughs> <laughs> i don't even like concerts but i i feel like even people who aren't big springsteen fans say that his concerts are like the a, a big deal and an experience that's what i've heard yeah. Concerts are real loud and full of people. Yeah, I, I that was Not my, my thing. Yeah, mine either normally. I I grew up going to church conferences where like Skillet and shit would perform. Mm -hmm. One year Reliant K was there and they did like five encores and it was one in the morning and I, I was kind of like okay, I'm tired. There's a lot of loud people here. Why why are you still singing about your deathbed? <laughs> no, I like um I specifically remember that like one of my first uh like uh purely psychological like symptom bouts because I remember standing there on the mm -hmm tour and just being like I feel like I'm going to pass out cuz I'm not allowed to sit down and everything is so loud. Mm -hmm. Um little bit of trivia of the like six five six concerts i've been to two of them were relying k for some reason and i'm not even like crazy about relying k i i also remember there was a joint skillet and toby matt concert mm -hmm. and when i talked to people who grew up in mississippi it seems like everybody went to that concert <laughs> it's like it's like on a show where the characters meet in, a, in the pilot, but they want to do an episode that takes place before that. And so they have them all at the same event. So you're, you're saying that this Toby Mac concert was the heroic origins from Community.